everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, if you can tell, and today's episode is going to be all about me. Probably going to be one of the only episodes all about me, so let's get on with it. Uh, just to go a little bit about my personal life, um, my real name is Matt, and I'm a network engineer by day, and a father and husband by night. Actually, that's not just by night, but all day. You know, spend a lot of time with the wife and kids doing stuff and play a little bit of magic on the side. I guess to start off with, let's get into how I got into magic. I first got into magic when I was about 10 years old and started in Urza Saga. There, there weren't any card shops at the time. You know, they, they, they didn't really exist, so there's really nowhere to play. Like, there's a lot more options today. But um, there weren't a lot of places to play at the time. But there was this guy who owned a sports card shop, you know, back when sports cards were really popular and when sports cards probably made money. Um, he I remember he had this small little display of magic cards. And me being the curious little kid I was, I remember I did collect sports cards for a while, like baseball cards. I loved baseball. And I would go to the shop sometimes, you know, just to trade baseball cards and all that. And so when I noticed this little display of magic cards, I asked what they were and bought a pack or two and fell in love instantly. I didn't even really know about the game at first, but I just fell in love with the art and how to me like how crazy um detailed it was you know this these little pieces of art on little cards it was just amazing to me and when i found out there was an actual game behind it i was super stoked i remember getting my friends into it and we would just buy boosters and play with whatever cards we pulled at the time we there weren't a place where you could just buy singles at least not that I know of you know I was only 10 and I didn't know any better if there was you could buy singles online or or even through magazines or something I just didn't know and I remember one of the things I remember the shop didn't have any like intro decks or starter decks so basic lands were always an issue with us and we could never we, I remember we had to use proxies, quote unquote, for our basic lands. You know, we would pretend if I'm building a mono green deck and I don't have the 20 forest I need, but I had, you know, a mash of plains, mountains, and swamps. I We would just pretend, hey, all these basic lands are green just for now. It was the best we could do. I mean, like I said, what else were we supposed to do? Um... So I remember one of the first decks I built during this time period was a mono green worm deck. And if I remember correctly, a lot of the mono green worms back then, at least a lot of cards in Urza's back then had the rule of echo where you had to pay the mana cost of the card during your upkeep. But us being kids, we would just ignore that rule and never paid the echo cost so you know i was able to get all my powerful worms out and just keep playing them without paying the mana cost 
and my worm deck was awesome up until my friend built probably what I thought at the time was the most badass tribe ever. And it was like his deck was unbeatable to all of us, and that was Slivers. I fell instantly in love with Slivers and how they could be so related and connected to each other, how they all gave each other abilities, and he had the almighty Sliver Queen. I had, That was the one card I always wanted as a kid. I don't think you could buy... Sliver Queen was Stronghold. Um, I don't think you could buy Stronghold packs at the time. I think Stronghold already gone out, and well, if anyway, this this guy in the card shop only sold whatever was the latest set, and Urza Saga was the latest set, so he didn't sell anything before that. Um, so there was no way for me to try and get that card. I don't even remember how he got it. He may have got it from a friend or his older brother, something like that. And I, like I said, I just fell in love with the card. It wasn't until I was almost 30 that I finally got the Sliver Queen for myself. And it's sitting nicely in a binder right now, not being used. It was being used in an EDH deck, but eh, I took it apart. I got That deck was a little bit too powerful and unfair. So when I stopped playing when I was a kid, it wasn't until about, I think, a little bit after... I want to say Kamigawa had just come out, or maybe... It was in the middle of Kamigawa, and I was working my first IT job in a call center, which, by the way, if you ever worked in call center, it is the most soul-sucking, life-draining job you could ever have. I would never, ever want to work in a call center ever again. I would rather work at McDonald's for minimum wage than ever than to ever go back to a call center, and I'm not lying about that. They are terrible jobs. I'm sure there are some people that work in call centers that ha- that are awesome, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's just not for me. At least in my experience, the ones that I've been at were just absolutely terrible, especially doing IT over the phone at a call center. It was terrible. But that's besides the point. Um, I remember a coworker and I, when they were just talking about magic and talking about, you know, what we used to play. And then we decided to go to a hobby shop during lunch or after work. I can't remember which. And we, you know, bought like an intro deck and some packs. I think my intro deck was a black one or something. It was, I just remember it had something to do with Ninja Rats. And that was the deck that I built, a Ninja Rat deck. And I loved it. It was completely and totally awesome. I mean, come on, Ninja Rats. How badass can that be? Anyways. So, and then he built some goblin deck. I don't even remember what it was because I don't even think Cranko was out at the time. But he kept on getting something that would just give him goblin tokens all the time. And it, to me, that card or that his deck was just unbeatable. And that, that was really the last time I played paper magic up until when my wife and I moved into our first house. And. I, I still had my box of cards. Like, I would kept my box of cards of from when I was a kid forever. There was one time I tried to sell them, and the guy was only trying to offer me, like, 100 bucks. But come to find out later, thank God I never sold them because some of the cards in there are were, I guess, now worth a pretty penny. I mean, that's nothing too crazy or anything, but I'd have to go through the list and 
find out what they were, but I know a few of the cards just by themselves are worth like 30, 40 bucks. Um, well, anyways, before the wife and I started playing casually on paper, I really, there was at one point, I think Innistrad had just come out, or no, 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 it was between Innistrad and Return to Ravnica, so it was what, 2012, I think, and I started really getting interested in magic again, and then I found ways you could play it online for free. Um, I wasn't really interested in playing Magic the Gathering online at the time because that just required spending a lot of money. And I was deep into World of Warcraft at that period of my life. And yeah, so I discovered Magic Workstation, which that wasn't too bad. I could play that at work. Not, not that I would ever, ever do that during work hours. Never. And also discovered Cockatrice or Woogerworks. And I really liked Woogerworks or Cockatrice because not only did it feel better, I mean there there's no rules there you have to you have to make sure you follow all the rules, but still it was just very simple and easy to use and I loved it. So my first quote unquote step into standard was playing on Cockatrice, just mainly in the, the standard rooms and playing Boros Reckoner. That was probably my favorite deck at the time because I, I remember I tried other standard decks. I don't remember what they were, but Boros Reckoner is just the only one that stands out to me. And it was, um you know, my friend, my coworkers and friends would try to play me against that and I would just whoop their butts and what was fun about it was that was probably one of the first times really trying to get more serious into the game because looking up rule interactions, um, getting deeper into the rules and learning about the stack, which before then I had no idea what the hell the stack was. It was all the times when I played as a kid or, you know, even a little bit after college, it was just, ah, eh, we do what we want pretty type of thing. It's, you know, hey, if this, you want to do this, oh, it doesn't make sense, eh, we'll figure it out, or we'll flip a coin for it. Whatever worked better. So, I remember my friends and I, we, we'd be playing, j just mainly on Cockatrice, and um, just try pouring over the rules of, you know, certain interactions, and what this means, and that means, and what the hell the stack is. And that's, you know, the competitive bug bit me. And it wasn't until, let me see. Oh, yeah, let me get back into when my wife and I would casually play. So, like I said, when we moved into our first house, we, um, you know, I, I remember finding my box of magic cards, which, you know, whenever you move somewhere, you, you move an entire house, you're always going to find, like, crap and stuff boxes that oh you completely forgot about stuff you completely forgot you had and you put it up in the attic and it's not until you move that you find it that's pretty much what happened with my magic cards so i didn't even i i knew i had them but i completely forgot all about them until we moved and so i remember building my wife this what i thought at the time a badass angel deck which i thought could not be beat and she would pilot that deck and constantly whoop my butt. I remember trying to build... Oh, God, what are some of the other decks I used to build? 
back then. I remember trying to build, um, I want to say like a really crappy goblin deck. It was just goblins I could find from the old sets and some from Innistrad and Ravnica. But I would still lose to her angel deck because they were all flying creatures or she would get a lot of lifelink. And I would just be like, damn it. She would constantly beat me. So, what is a good person like myself to do? Find out a way to beat her. And so I remember buying this intro deck. Um, the red-black intro deck for Return to Ravnica. I think it was Return to Ravnica or was it Gatecrash? Whatever. Um, it was an Unleashed deck. And oh my god, was that deck super good. I'd be able to beat my wife majority of the time against it, but she hated it because she'd always want to win because she's just as competitive as I am and she would just hate it when I beat her. So after a while, it, you know, we would enjoy playing and all that, but I wanted to play more. I wanted to play more competitively. So what is someone like myself to do? So this is around when Theros came out. Theros came out, what, 2013? And... Jeez, it's already almost three years ago. Shit. Um, so when Theros came out, I really wanted to start going and playing in stores. Um, there was a store right by me in my town, and I'm not going to give the name of it, but it was dirty and disgusting. It was the type of store where you walk in and it literally fills every single geek nerd stereotype you can think of it was bad. You walk in there and it was a disgusting mess. It was smelly shit and trash flown all around everywhere. You try to ask for someone to help and they're too busy playing a game of magic or D and D or whatever board game they're playing. They're too busy to help you. And I only went in there once or twice. No, no, I went in there twice. If I remember once was to look at some D and D stuff, see what they had. And then the second time was to look at their magic stuff, but it just both times, I don't know why I even went there a second time. It was just, they didn't really want to help me. I told them like, Hey, I'm interested in playing, but nothing. I, I got nothing. So I found a game store, which was about 10, 15 miles away from me yeah, a little bit far, but it was worth it. I remember calling them up and asking, you know, about drafting. Um, I'd re I'd, been reading ahead of time you know what format I should really go to if I want to start participating in Friday Night Magic and thought you know why not drafting that seems perfect I'm not interested in constructed right now I don't have the cards for it and I don't want to invest the money into it so drafting seemed to be the perfect option for me you know everyone starts on an even playing field and you build a deck as you go and you know basically the best drafter and player wins so I remember calling this store and telling them you know my little plight and saying hey you know I'm I haven't really played in an official setting you know they said don't worry they'll be able to help you help me out and which they did it was a very friendly atmosphere they were all willing to help me and you know just just be really friendly and you know I met a lot of cool people there while playing and I can remember my first draft we, like I said, Theros had just come out, but for some reason they didn't do Theros. I don't, I don't know why, because that was the format I was actually studying for, or the cards I was studying for before going. And 
let me see. It was it was Ravnica, Gate Crash, and Dragon's Maze they did for some reason. And I was um feeling kind of lost because, I, I mean, yeah, I bought that intro pack for Ravnica and Gate Crash, but I had no idea what cards were in that set. I was just like, oh, great. I'm going to do terrible. But hey, I had fun anyway. I remember my first pack was a voice of resurgence and I took it because just reading the ability seemed really good and I ended up I think building this at first a three color deck green white red and what I failed to read up on about was that you could only have not that you can't only that you can only have 40 cards but the minimum is 40 cards most of the time, you don't want to go over 40 cards, but I had no idea. I was so used to building 60-card decks that I thought, hey, draft is the same way. You get you put 60 cards in. But once someone said, hey, you know, it's only 40 cards, it made more sense to me. And, yeah, luckily my first-round opponent was nice enough to let me deboard 20 cards out of my... <laughs> out of my library and um yeah she was she was really nice and that night my first night of drafting I actually went three and one and got third or fourth place you know won some prize money and bought some more packs and boom the bug hit I got so addicted to drafting I loved drafting I still do really like drafting now it's I just don't do it as much because once m15 hit my friend convinced me to get into Constructed. And at the time when M15 hit, Ravnica was out. And so it was Ravnica through M15 standard. And I did not really have any good competitive cards for Ravnica. And I didn't really want to invest in getting some of the staple cards for standard, especially from Ravnica, because it to me it was rotating soon that you know I just didn't want to do it so my first actual paper standard deck was in soul artifact because I fell in love with that card and in, in draft mm. and it I mean it wasn't a very good deck I mean it, it was nothing like the origins deck origins in soul artifact and mine was more of a control build. Because I remember I did see some in Soul Artifact decks in Standard when M15 first came out. But they were trying to be more aggro. Mine was a little bit more control variant. And it did okay. Um, my first FNM event for Standard, it did pretty terribly. I think I can remember my first opponent playing Gruul Aggro. You know, the Burning Tree Emissary and just completely annihilating me. I did beat him in game two, if I remember correctly. You know, getting an ornith a 5-5 five five Ornithopter turn two, swinging for five and just beating him by turn four, turn four or five, whichever it was. And, and then the rest of the night, I just lost terribly. It just wasn't, I, I just was not playing well enough and... And, I mean, I, I couldn't really get mad at it because it was my first time into standard paper because, to me, I there's always such a difference 
playing online and then playing face to face. Um, one is online will perfectly shuffle your deck and perfectly have the right variance and probability of whatever you're going to draw. And when, if you don't really know how to shuffle that well, it's, you know, there's going to be some bad times for your deck. Um, yeah, so that was my first standard event and I did terrible, but I, the bug bit me so hard that. I just played nothing but standard after that. Um, when cons of Tarkir came out, you know, I upgraded my Insole Artifact deck with some Ghostfire Blades and probably some other stuff too. I don't remember what exactly, but I was just completely addicted. Especially that was that was always one of my favorite decks to play too. And you know, after that, I built Teamer Aggro because. That was at the time where I thought Teamer was going to be good because Savage Knuckleblade seemed like such an awesome card. And then also uh, Teamer Morph uh, with Sagu Mauler and Rattleclaw Mystic. Oh, geez, what else? What else did I build? Oh, a Jeskai Aggro deck. And you can tell I kind of like Aggro, but I also really like Control. Um, that Jeskai aggro deck I built was when Jeskai was not very good and Abzan was completely dominant. And yeah, it's my, my whole meta for a while there was nothing but Abzan. Abzan, Abzan, Abzan. And which the whole pro meta was Abzan, Abzan, Abzan. It got a little tiring. And it wasn't until about, I think, when Fate Reforge came out or Dragons of Tarkir came out that I decided to go to the dark side and join Abzan and I played it for approximately two to three weeks and you know I was winning with it but it just never felt good because I just never cared about the deck um one of my favorite decks in the standard also was blue black dragons control um I know there was also esper control with dragon lord ojitai but I I never I, I didn't feel like spending the money on him, so I built Blue Black Control, and it I did pretty. Well. I won a few FNMs with that. Um, when Origins came out, and I think it was the Pro Tour or the World Magic Championship, uh, when Mike Sigris got second place with the the um in Soul Artifact deck, I got super excited to play it again, and built the deck that he had, brought it to FNM, would constantly win. Um, and then I decided to go to my first actual competitive REL event. And for standard, it was a TCG player event, and I got completely wrecked. I brought my Insole Artifact deck, and I think what got me frustrated about it was I, the night before... I had taken that deck and won, like, it was a blowout. It was 4-0, and, you know, I was playing against all the regular meta decks at the time, and I bring it to this competitive REL event, this TCG player event, and get completely destroyed. Every single game. It's like, even against decks that I know I should have beaten, I just couldn't do it, and it was just frustrating for me personally, and I learned a lot that day. I learned that you know, just because you do well at FNM doesn't mean that you're going to do well at a higher level tournament. And 
it's the importance of mull- mulling or mulligan mulliganing i guess is very important for not only a deck like that but just in general for magic um so after that happened you know battle for zendikar came out and now oath is out and i've gotten really into modern now i recently just built my first modern deck which is elves and i just and i recently went to a modern iq which was my second modern tournament quote unquote um at least you know a paper modern tournament and i got completely wrecked there too and i attribute that more on that i didn't know the format that well i'm still really learning a lot of the decks and a lot of the popular decks that i'll see because it's modern to me is more of a format where you really have to know the meta and really learn how to sideboard for the meta too my sideboard was completely not prepared i was expecting to see a lot more affinity and a lot more twin and instead i got like living in i got scape shift i got boggles and burn and just stuff i wasn't expecting to see at all and you know i did win a few games but in the end i only went one in five and the last win was against tron and so you know i learned a lot just i need to be more prepared in the end um so after that, it's really been now. I'm so this year, 2016. I'm starting to really wanting to get a little bit more competitive. Start going to more competitive REL events. You know, IQs, PPTQs, such you know, such as that. And now I've also been wanting to get more involved with the Magic community. And you know, I've been doing that by writing articles and. You know, maybe sometimes displaying them on Reddit or the Mejury.org. I've also started a podcast, which is the first episode of what you're listening to, if you even listen this far, which we have. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Um, so that's really me in a nutshell. What I'm hoping to do with this podcast here is to really start not necessarily aim this for new players which you know new players are more than welcome to listen to it which i really want to aim this towards people who are looking to step up their game and magic from the kitchen table to fnm you know i'm not gonna claim that you know i know this and that about magic and i'm so good and i have all these results no this is more of a i have a really good understanding of the basic plays of magic and the lines of play you know i haven't been playing you know for that long competitively but i have really picked up quickly you know a lot of basic lines of play that you know a lot of new players just don't see and i feel like i should share that with everybody you know to make everybody better players in the long run um some of the topics i hope to include in this is to you know, learning how to jump from the kitchen table to your local game store and explaining some of the basic deck archetypes that are always going to be around regardless of what standard rotation there are, there is or what format you're going to be playing. Um, you know, how to go from limited to constructed and constructed to limited. 
and, you know, doing tournament reports of when I go to IQs or PPTQs and also doing deck showcases for when I build a deck. Hey, I want to do a podcast about it. I mean, though, I don't see those podcasts being that long, but hey, if you, uh, there may be a deck I really like that I built and hey, I want to talk about it. And just overall learning how to play better, learning under understanding lines of play, and just becoming a better overall player. Well, if you listen this long, I'd like to thank you for listening. And once again, my name is Zuby. You can follow me on Twitter on at Zubatron, Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. Or you can look at my blog, which is mtgzuby.blogspot.com. And I just like to thank you and stay tuned for more episodes. All right, thanks.